This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. As I alluded to at the beginning of the show, we are taking another look at our country's economy, the trouble our country's economy is in, and the steps that are being taken to get us out of the trouble this country's economy is in. South Africa recorded its worst economic slump of the decade in the second quarter, with the most industrialized nation in the African continent still mired by one of the world's strictest COVID-19 lockdowns. Joining us here on the COVID report to talk us through this proposed recovery is economist Mr. Katuchelo Sikita here on the COVID report. Mr. Sikita, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. This week, President Ramaphosa is expected to present the South African Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan to Parliament. There are suggestions that this will focus on things like energy, industrialization, and structural reform. And this was presented in the much-awaited-for recovery plan by the President. Could you please take us through your thoughts on this plan? Thank you very much. Maybe let me comment on this rather in broad terms. For me, this question about structural reforms, I think that is very, very, very important because overall, when you look at the economy that we have or that we've been having since time immemorial, including even after 1994, you are looking at an economy that has largely been very exclusionary. It is one thing if you have an economy that is exclusionary, and perhaps we are only talking about, say, 10, 5% of the economy. Unfortunately for the South African economy, um, the economy has largely excluded the majority. Now, if you, let's say, forget everything else, when the majority of your economy are not fully participating, if your economy grows at 5%, you, we can all agree. If everybody else was fully participating, it, you would probably have been talking about growth rates, perhaps even in excess of 10%, if everybody was um, 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 fully participating. I think that has probably been one of the biggest uh, stumbling blocks or one of the things that needed to have been addressed as a matter of agency. There is a reason why we are sitting with uh, unemployment rates, let's say, above 25%. If you look at where we are right now, from an official point of view, and if indeed, if you look at the expanded definition of unemployment, we are sitting with very, very, very uncomfortable numbers. It is even worse when you look at uh, youth unemployment. It is largely because of the structure of our economy, which has not really changed as much as ideally it ought to have been the case So that finally, as we move into democracy, we also talk about democracy from the economy as a whole, if one can put it like that. We talk about an economy that is as inclusive as possible because it's only then that such an economy will be in a position to play the role that it is supposed to play. When you look at other things that that have been flagged, you know, things like um, infrastructure investment, yes, you know, that is an important area if for no any other reason, but the fact that um, it makes it possible to employ maybe as many people as possible, that would have been the case if you didn't have those big um, uh, projects um, um, uh, 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 taking place. Um, if um, 
um, if one could uh, use that as an example. So that's why I was saying from a broad point of view, the ideas that are being proposed, I think are very, very important. But for me, I think the biggest thing that we probably need to pursue, of course, in terms of them with other things, is this whole issue of uh, dealing with the structure of the economy. Let us have an economy that is as inclusive as possible. Then we are going to probably start talking about, uh, we're going to start tackling issues like uh, poverty, issues like very high rates of unemployment that we have in this country, whether you are talking about youth unemployment and so on and so on and so on. Can you please start by taking us through the impact of COVID-19 on South Africa and which sectors of our economy have been hit the hardest at this stage? Perhaps it's important to step back a little bit. Um, When um, the COVID pandemic hit us, you will recall our economy has been in a steep decline. In fact, at the onset of that pandemic, the economy has been growing for successive quarters below zero. So we're already in a technical recession. And so the economic results that we saw during the second quarter of this year was basically four successive quarters of growth below zero percent. So we were already in a very, very, very serious trouble or problem from, from an economic point of view. As we speak right now, almost all the economic sectors have been heavily impacted, perhaps some less than others, but I doubt if it is very possible to actually single out or to be in a position to say things are bad, but they are better here or they are better here because overall, I mean, when you have an overall GDP growth of a negative 16.4%, I think in an environment like that, it's very difficult to point out anything that you are going to hold out because that number basically drags down everything so that even if there was anything that was worth writing home about, it basically pales into insignificance. Indeed. Now, in terms of the measures that were taken to provide relief to the households and individuals most impacted by the ensuing lockdown restrictions that had to be taken to fight the spread of coronavirus across the country, a lot was made about that relief package that was announced. President Sor Ramaphosa went to great lengths with every address that he'd give the nation to detail the progress that has been made as far as who has been a beneficiary of that relief package. Can you take me through how all of the reports of corruption within the leadership uh, circles and the difficulty that has come with the dissemination of this relief fund to, to the nation where certain people end up getting the funds that they need and other people don't. How has all of this impacted the, the goal to provide relief to those who need it over the course of this pandemic? Okay, thank you very much for that question. Perhaps up front, let's start off by acknowledging one thing. When you want to get your economy to start um, buzzing or to start uh, percolating or to start happening, for lack of a better word, you basically need consumers, you and I, and other people who buy primarily various things that they buy in order to either um, uh, take care or look after their households and so on and so on. You need them to buy. So clearly, when you have a situation where because of the lockdown and people perhaps are not able to go to work 
and some are not able to uh, receive any income, which obviously will mean it is not possible for them to uh, spend anymore. The kind of interventions that uh, were announced earlier on, the various uh, relief measures that were announced and so on and so on. They are very, very, very important and very, very critical because in order to get the economy to happen or to deliver or to tick, you need people to be spending. And there is another reason which is very, very, very important. Almost everywhere else you go, a private consumption expenditures, that is economic activity undertaken by you, myself, and other consumers, as we spend, it accounts for sometimes up to 65% of the overall economic activity. So if you remove people from participating in the equation um, or in the economy, from that point of view, you have basically taken out, let's say, 65% of your economy. And let's agree. And um, I guess probably with human beings, even though that is not what you expect to see happening, you ended up in, with a situation where very good measures are announced and um, for very good reasons. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm sure even as we speak, there are some uh, South Africans who have either received only once a part of what they were supposed to receive, let's say, in order to tidy their households uh, over. And indeed, I mean, overall, when you had a situation where for very good intentions, um, you know, the government was going to embark on a um, an exercise to procure, um, let's say, PPE equipment and so on and so on, that would have been a very good stimulus for the overall economy, particularly if uh, the manufacture and the production of those items was going to happen internally, because then it would have, um, for those sectors where it was possible to go to work and what have you, it would have gone a long way. And in, indeed, if you were to take into account the multiplier effect, that would have gone a long way in actually helping us uh, to move out or to tidy ourselves over uh, that very difficult situation. Unfortunately, as you have indicated, a whole lot of other unsavory things um, uh, happened. And indeed, they are kind of like um, overshadowing. Maybe if there was any good that could have come out of that uh, situation, and one could probably even go to the extent of saying we may have lost an opportunity uh, because uh, for the amount of money that was injected in the economy, if we could have been in a position to leverage off that, you know, uh, increase uh, domestic productive capacity, obviously we can all agree that will also have gone a long way in uh, seeing to it that maybe those who have lost jobs, those who have uh, not had an opportunity to work before, would have had an opportunity to work in the process of um, uh, producing and making these uh, PPE uh, products uh, available for the economy overall. Um, yes, there are a number of undertakings uh, by government, uh, maybe in partnership with the various uh, social partners, business, labor, for something to be done to rescue the South African economy from the situation in which it finds itself in. Itself in. So I think um, as I was um, trying to indicate initially, it is important for something to be done, given how bad the economic situation in the country has been. I mean, as I, if I go back uh, to what I indicated earlier, if you go back you know, from 2008 up to now, the South African economy has been shrinking. So clearly, the measures that have been announced, you want to assume a situation where, first of all, we are going to stabilize 
uh, the economic situation in which we find ourselves into. As we are speaking right now, the South African economy has grown for four successive quarters below 0%. A very, very bad state of uh, affairs, uh, if you want to put it like that. And indeed, even without COVID, it is very likely this year would have been a very difficult uh, year economically, given uh, the fact that for the past 10 years, we have been, our economy has been gathering steam downwards, if you wanted to put like that. And indeed, um, by the time we went on the lockdown, uh, the economy had grown uh, for three successive quarters uh, below zero, even without COVID. So I think what is important is, it is important for the problem to be acknowledged for what it is. And in that regard, you hear all manner of positive um, uh, sentiments, uh, statements coming from all the various role players, Minister of Finance, President, and so on and so on. But I think above all, it is one thing to announce a set of measures that we are going to embark upon to correct the situation. It's an entirely different matter altogether to actually put those plans in operation. Believe you me, most of the things that you are going to hear have been spoken about probably for the longest of times, but the only thing that had been lacking has been the implementation of those particular uh, actions. And um, I hope if we are going to get enough opportunity to talk about it beyond short and long-term measures that have been probably announced, we probably also need to start thinking and talking about uh, the structure of our economy because that has also been uh, something that uh, maybe for the longest of time we haven't uh, potentially uh, paid a lot of attention to, so that overall, as we get out of this uh, situation, then we are able to do so in a manner that is sustainable and in a manner that is also able to address some of the challenges that uh, we have uh, had in the past. I mean, if I give you an example, we are currently sitting uh, with an unemployment rate uh, above 30%. That did not happen overnight. The unemployment rate we've been sitting with for the longest of time has probably been out of sync, very, 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 very high. And indeed, it is something that uh, robs our economy uh, from growing because when you have a lot of people who could work, earn a living, spend on the economy to get it to grow, if they are not working, then what you get by way of economic activity or economic performance or economic growth is simply a fraction of what you ought to have had or what you should have if everything was um, um, happening the way it is uh, supposed to happen. Now, Mr. Sikita, I'm curious as to your opinion on what shape this leaves us as a country in as far as our trade and market opportunities and how we compare to other countries in the African continent. And where does this leave Africa's future market and trading opportunities after this pandemic? Thank you. I think personally, I would rather... I want to look at um, what is happening right now, acknowledge it for the problem that it is. And if there's something that we need to do about it in terms of the, it being the problem that it is, let's go ahead and do it. But uh, on the flip side, maybe we also want to think long and hard um, about the potential opportunities that this situation we find ourselves in um, is likely to present. And then maybe take advantage of that because clearly after uh, this uh, COVID pandemic, we are going to see an economic situation or an economic environment that is going to be very, very, very different 
from everything in the past. And I think indeed it is important or incumbent upon us to try and see what is it that we can take advantage of and then with a view of uh, perhaps entrenching that and indeed maybe contributing to um, other facets or other aspects uh, of potential economic growth sources domestically and even uh, on the continent. I mean, if I can just give you a, an example, one of the things you would have noted during the lockdown was, you know, there were restricted hours for us perhaps to go to uh, the various uh, supermarkets or wherever it is that we could buy food. We couldn't be there for uh, the same amount of time that we find ourselves in there. And then indeed, they were also limiting the number of people who could uh, go into, let's say, a pick and pay and so on and so on and so on. Clearly, you can potentially or immediately see an opportunity for maybe online purchases. You know, you don't have to go over there. You can buy things from the comfort of your home and they could be delivered. And indeed, we can think about the potential value chains that could be unlocked when we look at the economy from that point of view. And unfortunately, or fortunately, it is starting to look like we are going to be seeing more and more instances where probably the economy is more likely going to go digital than otherwise would have been the case. In the alternative, uh, this interview will probably have been conducted at your studios. I probably would have had to drive from wherever I would have been driving from, you know, to spend so much on petrol and so on and so on and so on and so on. We don't have to do it like that anymore. Now, think about what is happening to uh, people who are in the retail space as far as petrol is concerned and so on and so on. So I'm just trying to say, over and above everything else, we probably need to start thinking about the potential upside that this pandemic has introduced for us and leverage of that in order to take advantage of um, the new economy that uh, we are obviously going to have to be uh, uh, to contend with because clearly the way of doing things in the past maybe has got very uh, limited um, um, a space, if one can put it like that. Now, are we ready as a region, let's say Sadek, and even as the African continent to take advantage or to transition into this new reality that obviously is going to be a, a forced upon us? And finally, from me, Mr. Sikita, before we let you go, in terms of the ways in which this pandemic has exposed the shortfalls of our, our, our country's economy, as we covered earlier. And we've also covered in great detail the ways in which the uh, measures put in place to provide relief to those who need it have been impeded by the various um, terrible issues that plague those efforts. In what ways do you think this pandemic has served as a hard reset for those within the structures of leadership and governance to have a look about finding ways to transform and build a more resilient and sustainable economy where though where, where everyone benefits including those who didn't benefit before and as far as our own economy being likely to experience this transformation who do you see being the beneficiary of this transformation off the top of my head if we really get down and dirty about the structural transformation of the South African economy, I will say the majority of South Africans who unfortunately have been excluded are the ones who are going to benefit the most from any 
positive that is likely to emerge when we are grappling with how do we reset, how do we take things um, forward, and how do we improve, and all these other things. I think maybe in another way, this pandemic obviously ought to give a typical policymaker an opportunity to start to consider maybe the kind of issues that have always been in front of our eyes, but perhaps have not necessarily received um, uh, that much attention, if um, one could put it that way. So I think as I indicated earlier, for me, um, any attempt to seriously begin to address the structural issues of this economy, it's not only going to start to talk to those that have always been marginalized, but it is going to talk about the economy overall. If you go back, for example, to the mid-2000, 2005, 2006, 2003, 2004, at the time when the South African economy could even grow um, at 5%. Now, that was just a tip of the iceberg. That the economy was not growing at its potential level of growth. It was still exclusionary then. So I'm just indicating if with all the challenges that we have been talking about uh, taken into account. Imagine how much more things could have been if we were now talking about an economy that was not exclusionary, an economy that has been structurally transformed in a manner that talks to just about everybody. Imagine if you were talking about a situation where you don't have to have people who will say, well, I may have a qualification or in this, that, or the other trade, but um, you know what? If I get a job, I'll be very, very, very lucky. You know, you have people who are qualified, but they are not able to meaningfully contribute um, into the overall economy. Imagine if we were talking about the converse of that. All these human resources, all these people who are willing and are able to work could actually work, whether they are self-employed, whether they are working for anybody else, you can imagine the impact that would have had or that will have had on the economy overall. I'm still going to say we will probably have been talking about much more than 7% quarter-on-quarter growth or even much more than 5% economic growth that we experienced sometime in the mid-2000s, if one can put it like that, because then the economy would have been performing within its full potential. That for me is probably the biggest uh, takeaway we want to take out of this pandemic. Look at the economy overall, look at the challenges that we have, and indeed actively go out of our way to address them. We have a good economy, a good country, a beautiful country, and I think the only thing left is actually to um, operationalize what we already have in order to perhaps end up with a future that almost everybody is hoping for or is looking forward to. We've just been joined by economist Mr. Katuchelo Sikita here on the COVID report, giving us further insight on the damage that the COVID-19 pandemic has wrought on the South African economy. The state of the South African economy before COVID-19 had become a reality in our lives and the steps that 
President Sir Ramaphosa plans to embark on to help us recover from the trouble our economy has been left in. Mr. Sikita, thank you so much for joining us here on the COVID Report. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or streams by www.varfm.co.za.